Hello and welcome to the Q2 edition of the Square Mile podcast, hosted by me, Jock Glover, Strategic Relationships Director here at Square Mile. Last time we did this podcast at the end of Q1, I said that uh, the markets had created almost a perfect storm with rising inflation, rising interest rates, uh, weak supply chains, increasing demand for goods, increasing taxation here in the UK, rising energy prices, and of course, what's going on in uh, Ukraine. That hasn't really changed since last time we talked, uh, but you can add into that the turmoil of uh, British politics on top of that, which is ongoing at the moment, uh, which is obviously very UK-centric. So what we're planning to do in this podcast today is have a review of the quarter, as we did last time, and put that into the longer-term context, uh, and then look at the impact of that inflation data on both the global equity uh, markets and the fixed income markets and what the managers that our analysts are talking to are doing about that. And we'll also focus a little bit on what that means for responsible funds, which have had a uh, tough time in recent months. Rather than have me try and tell you what's going on, I'm joined by a selection of our analysts again from Square Mile, Tom Poulter, our head of quants and in charge of all things numerical and statistical, who's going to give us the overview of what's going on in the markets. Uh, we've also joined by investment analyst and global equity research specialist Ajay Vyad, who will give us an update on what he's seeing from the managers he talks to at the moment. And our head of fixed income and absolute return research, Eduardo Sanchez, will also be giving us an update on what the bond managers are doing in reaction to this inflationary environment that we're in and rising interest rates we're seeing around the world. So, Tom. Uh, Let's start with you. If you can set the scene a bit, as you did historically, uh, what's going on in the asset classes by region, by style, etc.? Yeah, yeah. as you picked on there, the the second quarter of 2022 was probably even more disappointing than than the first quarter. Um, Global equities were down 9%, while UK government bonds were also down 7.4%. So unfortunately, over the last three months to the end of June, bonds were unable to provide the protection that some investors would expect, as even sterling corporate bonds were down minus 7.8%. The uh, UK equities and emerging market equities were able to provide some relative protection, as they were down 5 and 4% respectively. And when you add in the uh, the poor first quarter as well, year to date, the majority or, or not even all asset classes are down with global equities down 11.3% and UK government bonds down 14.1%. There is some sort of element of good news uh, over the quarter. The the IA UK direct property sector was up 2.4%, while in sterling terms, Chinese equities were up 12.1%. What we need to be mindful of is, is that despite the poor performance over the last three and six months, we should not be overly focused on this short-term period, as investing is definitely about long having a long-term mindset. For example, annualised over the last 10 years to 30th of June 2022, global equities have returned 12.4% and sterling corporate bonds have returned 3.8%. This is significantly better than the Bank of England base rate, which has averaged 0.5% over the period. However, these low interest rates may be a thing of the past. Over the last three months, we've seen the Bank of England raise rates 0.25% each of their last two meetings while the Federal Reserve in the US have gone further by collectively raising rates 1.25% over the last two meetings. This is something that uh, Ed will discuss later, but inflation, however, has not been transitory that many people expected last year. 
At the end of May, uh, UK inflation stood at 7.9%, which was an increase from just 2.1% 12 months ago. In the US, it's even higher, 8.6%, but the jump hasn't been as significant as inflation was 5% just 12 months ago. Thanks, Tom. Uh, really good roundup there. Um, Eduardo, uh, inflation numbers high, as uh, Tom's just said, uh, 7 and 8% UK and US respectively expected to go higher, I think, in most markets. Uh, what are the fixed income managers you talk to doing about that? Uh, hi, Jock. Hi, everyone. Well, for the last year or so, the, the focus had, uh, had been on inflation and how central banks were reacting. But after the clear pivot into restrictive monetary policies, now fixed income managers are more worried about the risk of recession. I would split the conversation into the two major drivers of returns in fixed income, which are interest rates and credit risk. Talking about interest rates, in general, I would say that active fixed income managers did uh, relatively well last year and at the beginning of this year, outperforming their indexes, with a majority of them positioning their portfolios with shorter duration risk in the anticipation of interest rates uh, hikes to face the continued inflationary pressures. Uh, but more recently, uh, given the substantial increase in yields, the camp has been more divided with some managers still preferring to keep uh, short-duration positions given the persistency of inflation. But on the other hand, we have seen a growing number of managers that gradually started to increase uh, interest rate risk in, the, in their portfolios, some sooner than, than others, and of course with, with, different, with different results depending on, on when they did it. And they did that based uh, on, the bigger, on the bigger cushion provided by the higher levels of yields and on the view that central banks cannot continue with, with such a hawkish stance, either because they realize that the impact to the economy becomes too punitive or because they don't need to, to, to do it anymore because high inflation will eventually abate. And talking about credit risk, while there are still several managers that are confident with corporate fundamentals, there is a general perception that markets haven't fully priced the risk of recession. And a good amount of managers have become worried with the central bank's rhetoric of trying to reduce inflation at any cost. So what I see is an overall move to reduce credit risk in portfolios, especially in high yield, because this asset class would suffer more the consequences of an economic recession environment. And while credit spreads have uh, widened already, many managers prefer to see a bigger move in spreads before they feel they are uh, compensated enough for uh, taking credit risk. Thank you, Eduardo. I, I, I guess the next question then to, is to Ajay. I mean, you talk about companies or fund, uh, fixed income fund managers reducing their credit risk uh, because of the risk of recession. Ajay, how do you see that in the equity world? What are managers doing reacting to the market correction? Is the market priced in that recessionary risk already or is there more to come? And, and what are they doing position wise? Uh, thanks, Jock. Uh, similar to what Edu said, there has been divide, a divided uh, response by the fund managers that we've spoken to. Uh, some of them are a bit more cautious uh, because they're still not sure about what is being priced in. Uh, and so they're using this opportunity to trim the holdings that have held up a little bit better than others and are just instead waiting at the sidelines and are holding cash. Um, but one thing that I have noticed that's common across most of our fund managers is that this market correction has led to a increased opportunity set for managers so those that are holding cash will be waiting and watching uh, before potentially dipping their toe in slowly over time 
but they're looking for positive signs before they will become more fully invested. And they're actually happy to wait uh, on the sidelines, uh, as I say, waiting for some sort of positive news. Uh, but then on the other hand, you've got others that are happier to react um, and are remaining fully invested. Um, and so what are they investing in? Typically, they're topping up their best ideas and again, trimming those companies that have held up better. But then also, generally, they're increasing the overall quality within their portfolios. When kind of discussing quality, it's interesting because there are, again, different camps in the way that fund managers uh, trade. Uh, you've got the ones that will look at your more defensives, your staples, your healthcare kind of uh, businesses that typically have more robust demand and greater pricing power, which is obviously key when you've got inflationary pressures. And then you've got another cohort that will look at the more cyclical areas, such as uh, the consumer discretionary area. But within that, they're focusing more on the luxury goods space um, with their kind of investment thesis being around the audience or the, the demographic that they're focusing on being the more richer, who are less affected by inflation. Um, another thing that we've been looking at is how stylistically different funds also are acting in this in this period. So if I'm looking, for example, a value fund, um, the managers in some of the, in some instances have explained that they are now looking at what was traditionally a more growthy sector or, com or company uh, as the valuations have pulled off and it's looking more attractive for them. And so actually we're we're watching those closely to see if they're trading on any of these uh, on any valuation news. And so in general, really, the, we have seen a, a pickup in trading activity across the board. Um, and so for us, we're monitoring each uh, manager to ensure that they're sticking to their knitting, uh, they're sticking to their processes. Uh, and this period is actually a good time to judge each manager's philosophy in the process. Um, so it's a good litmus test for us. Thanks. Uh, really helpful there. Tom, I mentioned in my uh, introduction that some of the responsible mandates have had a really tough time over the last few months, but that's not just limited to them. There's other higher growth, higher valuation sectors that have also been hit in recent months. What, what do the numbers look like for that? And what, what, are, what are we seeing uh, in terms of managers uh, and their performance? Yeah, yeah, cheers, Joel. So, I mean, over the, no, everyone hopefully listens if is aware that over the last 12 to 18 months, we've seen a, a strong demand in um, sort of responsible funds. Uh, the fact is now that broadly 25% of funds in the global equity sector now have a, an ethical, sustainable tilt. Um, so what we've done is we've looked at all the global equity funds that EPI have defined as having been ethical or sustainable. And the median return year to date for these type of funds has been minus 15.6%. And that compares to global equities, as I mentioned earlier, that returned minus 11.3%. And over this period, only sort of 22.4% of the 130 or funds that were considered that outperformed sort of global equities. So it just sort of highlights the underperformance that these type of funds have done. We do have to remember, obviously, this is this is a small time period. Um, and in 2020, um, sort of 74% of the funds um, outperformed global equities. So in some ways, they, they've given up some of the gains that they've made in previous years. Now, the broad reasons for the underperformance is, is to what they typically exclude has done well, has done poorly, sorry. Uh, no, sorry, what they typically exclude has done well and what they favour has done poorly. So most responsible funds, and especially those with a climate focus, tend to avoid the, the oil, the gas, and the coal miners. And year to date, the uh, the, the, the FTSE World Oil, Gas, and Coal has done 
which can, which is probably one of the only uh, equity sectors that is, is in positive territory. If we then go back to um, and, and what people know is the responsible global equity funds tend to have a bias between towards technology and, and growth stocks. Over the period, uh, over the year to date, global growth stocks were down minus 20.6% and global tech stocks were down minus 21.6%. So as I've mentioned before, this just highlights that that what responsible funds typically don't hold has done well, and but then what they do hold is, is done poorly. The last six months just shows that the performance of active responsible funds will diverge from the market. The exclusions they have in place, as well as the focus towards certain type of stocks, means that responsible funds will typically have a higher active share than other active funds. So there will be short-term periods where the funds will underperform the wider market. However, there will also be short-term periods where these type of funds will simply outperform the wider market. What we have seen uh, in more recent times is a number of sort of passive providers. They've launched their own sort of type of responsible funds. And over the last six months, they have underperformed, but they have probably haven't underperformed to the extent. And this is because they apply fewer restrictions, but these fewer restrictions may mean that they may not meet the non-financial expectations of many investors. Ultimately, investors have to make a choice. Typically, the more responsible fund is, the greater divergent short-term performance will be to the wider market. But I'd highlight that that does not mean that long that they are giving up long-term returns. Thanks, Tom. RJ, hearing that, um, obviously, uh, managers running responsible funds have struggled uh, where they haven't had exposure to things like old economy sectors like oil and gas and, and miners and things. What are you hearing from the managers that you talk to, particularly those who do run responsible funds, in terms of their positioning around that uh, and their, their outlook going forward? Yeah, thanks. First, I'd probably like to reiterate what Tom just, just said, just to, to kind of hone it in, that it has been a hard time for those with a, with a responsible focus. Um, and there is a divergence, like Tom said, um, depending on how impactful uh, one's approach is to, to um, responsible investing. And so if you had the scale and you looked at those funds that have a greater focus on impact, uh, so those that have both a positive inclusion and a negative exclusion, those have been the worst performers. Whereas if you look at maybe more broader ethical or, or responsible types or sustainable funds, they may have more exposure to your mega cap techs, uh, which offer softer exposure to sustainable themes. And those ones have done relatively better. And so investors that have adopted this, this approach have undoubtedly suffered year to date. Um, but interestingly, speaking to fund managers, we've actually seen or, or we've been hearing uh, that most of these funds have actually seen net inflows this year, um, which I think therefore explains that clients know what they're investing in and they understand uh, and back the approach, irrespective of the short term underperformance. And whilst Tom explained um, that investing in this way does typically lend towards uh, lean towards growth companies, uh, it often leads investors or, or the portfolio managers towards more niche industries, uh, and then generally younger and less proven businesses, which therefore, as their definition, are more growthy. And so it is understandable why they're underperforming at the moment. Um, and obviously, the market isn't currently willing to pay up for this future growth or the longer duration assets that these, these uh, types of investments are. And so similarly, again, so the focus on the short term at the moment is beneficiaries of commodities, but these, these kind of companies and funds can't own those. And so, yeah, under, again, it's understandable why they're underperforming. Going to what the actual managers are saying, it's there's a clear out uh, outlook and, and 
comment from them, uh, which is quite encouraging. And they know what they're investing in. They know why they're investing in the way that they do. Uh, and they're not planning to change that uh, because investors have chosen them for their specific focus on responsible investing rather than getting broad exposure. Um, and so they're therefore remaining focused on the fundamentals and remaining focused on the areas of the market where they believe there are secular growth trends, which should be uh, growing irrespective of externalities like we're seeing at the moment. So whilst investors are uh, well, should understandably be disappointed by the short term, the one thing within this area is, I guess, the long-term nature in their goals and also the balancing act that the investment managers have to do to provide both financial returns, but also the positive outcomes. Um, and at the moment, so the other thing that we've been hearing is there is a clear disconnect across the market between share prices and operational performance. But I think within this cohort, that dispersion is is greater. So investors need to look through this just like the fund managers are. Thanks, uh, RJ. That's great. Uh, and we have seen, I think, uh, Tom will correct me if I'm wrong here, we have seen actually ongoing inflows into responsible funds over the course of uh, the last couple of quarters when other sectors have been in outflow, uh, which I think reinforces what you just said about having a longer term view about what they're doing in their portfolios with investors at the moment. Eduardo, are we seeing the same thing in fixed income space or, or is it different for responsible investors? in the fixed income space? Mm, well, in, in fixed income, uh, we have not seen that dispersion or divergence uh, of returns that, that Tom and Ajay mentioned uh, that, that happened in equity. And the margin of differentiation in fixed income is, is smaller. What matters is the, the capacity of the companies to pay back their, their debt. Um, this is because the, the potential of returns and what you hope for is is limited to the to the payment of coupons and, and getting the principal back at, at the end. So so the returns have, have been more 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 aligned uh, across asset classes. Uh, there is less of a thematic approach in fixed income. Uh, the majority of responsible funds uh, invest across sectors, and the main the main drivers uh, drivers of returns are interest rates and credit risk, like for any standard fixed income fund. Uh, I, I will have to say that, yes, for funds with a more impact orientation, they tend to have a higher credit quality and longer duration. So the, the move up in rates have been the, the main factor of the negative returns that we have seen so far this year. But uh, like for the for any other fixed income fund, there, there hasn't been that that uh, dispersion or, or divergence of, of returns. Thanks, Eduardo. Um, so if I was to summarise uh, what we've just been talking about for the last 15 minutes or so quickly, I think it would be fair to say equity markets and fixed income markets continue to be a pretty tough place to be invested uh, with everything that's going on, inflation, recession, etc. Uh, although the UK emerging market equity markets are probably sectors that provided a bit of protection. Fixed income managers are starting to increase their interest rate risk a bit uh, and some are starting to de-risk a little at the credit level with worries about recession, what that might mean for companies. Uh, global equity managers improving the quality in their portfolios, but remain mixed on whether uh, the recession and inflation is already priced in, but they are starting to pick up a few stocks that look cheap or have got cheaper at the de-rating. Um, and responsible equity funds have been hit hard by not being able to hold old economy stocks. Um, and as a result, there will be periods where their performance diverges significantly from the broader market, whereas in fixed income space, there's less divergence in performance as it's much more the macro factors, interest rates, duration that drives 
the returns from there. So, uh, but overall, we think that the managers of those funds uh, continue to invest as they've been mandated to, and those mandates will continue to perform over the medium to long term. But investors need to be aware there will be shorter term volatility on the up and the downside uh, from equity portfolios in that space. So I hope that people listening to this have found that uh, useful. All that remains is for me to thank our analysts, Tom Poulter, Eduardo Sanchez and Ajay Vyad for their time, their thoughts, their insights today. Uh, and for you, the listener, for listening into us. If we haven't covered any of the questions that you have and you'd like us to answer, please do get in contact with Square Mile, either through our webpage, which is www.squaremileresearch.com, or by emailing us at info at squaremileresearch.com. This podcast was recorded on the 7th of July, 2022. This podcast is only aimed at professional advisors and regulated firms and should not be passed on to or relied upon by any other persons. It is not intended for retail investors who should obtain professional or specialist advice before taking or refraining from any action on the basis of this podcast. Remembering past performance is not an indication of future performance. It is published by and remains the copyright of Squaremore Investment Consulting and Research. Squaremore makes no warranties or representations regarding the accuracy or completeness of the information contained herein. This podcast represents the views and forecasts of Squaremore at the date of issue and may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. Nothing in this podcast shall be deemed to constitute a regulated activity or an invitation or inducement to engage in investment activity, and it is not a recommendation to buy or sell any funds or investments that are mentioned during this podcast. Thank you.